Hi, everyone. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to another episode of Right Answers Mostly. Hosted by your favorite people, Tess Palomo and Claire Donald. You know, we like to bring you the stories that you didn't necessarily necessarily learn in history class. But you wanted to know because you were bored sick of everything else you were learning about. Who needed to know what happened in so-and-so AD? No, nobody cares. I sure didn't. And so we're bringing you that joy um, that you didn't have when you were a teenager. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we're doing it all over a cocktail. We sure are, because what better way to talk about history than to get... Let's see. Just a little tipsy. Never drunk. Never. Well, yeah. Uh, Titanic was a bit of a blur, but that was more adrenaline. That's fine. So today, I wanted to bring up the topic and learn the history about Playboy. Mm. I think that it's... Something that everyone knows about, but doesn't really know how it came to be and what that means. Um, I also have found that the more research I do, the more I talk to people about this, the more I feel like it is a controversial topic. Yes. I would have to agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When I mentioned to a couple people that we would be talking about this, their reactions were less than enthusiastic. Absolutely. (laughs) Mainly women. Yes. I, Mainly women. Yeah, I haven't had any bad reactions from men. <laughs> yeah, so it was like, sick. Yeah. Can't talk about boobs? Yeah, exactly. And we are. And we are. Of course. Yeah. But I also want to like, keep this space as being an open space. And I think it's a good way to look at anything that it's not so black and white. Totally. And like the subjects that we're discussing on this podcast, um, you know, are not the most heavy. They are right. things that I think you do have the space to have different opinions, to play devil's advocate to have empathy for people involved in these sort of things and just to see where they were coming from is a really interesting thing that we're learning about. And you can learn from anything. Um, Uh, uh, uh. (laughs) I didn't want to say anything. No, it's fine. It's my fault for having to make (laughs) Chris or whoever's editing this at some point. Tevi has makeup bags. He said, I don't want to look glamorous for Playboy. He's right. like, I'm naughty when my aunties That's are around. True. You want attention from auntie because you think she's hot? <laughs> yeah, I like you too, Tommy. <laughs> okay, we're back. We're back. Um, so, Tess, what did you know about Playboy? Um, my only knowledge of Playboy was really just knowing that it was a controversial magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, watching, well, not being able to watch, but... Uh, Trying to watch The Girls Next Door in E, classic, early 2000s. We love that. Guys, it's on YouTube. Check it out. Cannot wait to start that with you, the journey. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. And that's really it. Like, I guess, you know, looking up, like, which celebrities have posed for Playboy. Mm-hmm. Like, for us, like, which housewives posed. Yep. And, and just being fascinated by, like, seeing the spread, honestly. Yeah. I've always wanted to look it up and be like, I want to see how much they showed. Right. Well, even... Which, who can blame uh, who, I, I'm with you. Yeah. And even as an adult, sometimes I'm like, wow, that's a naked body still, right. you know? It, it's crazy. And also, like, seeing, which we'll get to later, but, like, seeing, like, 90s, everyone had so much pubic hair. Oh. So, up until, like, recently, pubic hair was alive and well. 
Which is fascinating because now you like most like pornography yeah. is extremely bare. Everything head to toe. Head to toe. <laughs> not a not an ounce of body hair on and any on woman. Sight. So yeah, no, I'm with you, and I feel like I always saw Playboy in like movies as like a boy sneaking a Playboy magazine out of their dad's closet or something totally. like that. You know, it's like this mystical thing almost. Yes, very secretive, very hush hush. Yeah. Well, let's hop on into hop it. Hop on in. It brings Cute, me Claire, great you. joy. Great joy to make that little <laughs> statement. Okay. Well, to start us off, we can't talk about Playboy without talking about Hugh Hefner. R.I.P. R.I.P. Wonder what that man's up to these days. Yeah, true. An afterlife <laughs> of some sort. Probably something problematic. <laughs> Probably so. If we all create our heavens, I know what his would be. That's <laughs> yeah. for sure. So Hugh Hefner was born in Chicago in 1926. His parents were Midwest Protestants who didn't allow dancing, drinking, or swearing in the house. Mm-hmm. Just as strict as they could be. Explain so much. It really does. His mother was emotionally distanced, and in an interview, Hugh said, I think that the major thing I missed in my childhood, and that my parents have missed in their own childhood because it had been passed from generation to generation, was the inability to show love in an emotional and physical way. No hugging, no show of any kind of emotion. And again, that is tough to hear. A psychologist's dream right now to analyze his his childhood and how that um, affected. Uh, Absolutely, absolutely. So he was just ripped of any emotional and physical love. Wow. And if his mom's cold, we all know how that plays out in your romantic and sexual life. Mommy issues. Mommy issues. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, who among us doesn't have some sort of issues with her? Mommy or daddy? Wow. Well, we'll talk about that later. Yeah, we will another time. So he fell in love with this girl, Betty Coughlin, in high school. And why this was a big deal is because Betty Coughlin actually fell in love with his best friend, which is always tough. Always? Especially how he was a teenager? High school. High yeah. school. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. You can't get over that. You can't. Especially, he was also so obsessed with, like, dream and fantasy worlds. He grew up doing a lot of cartoons as a kid. He worked as a, at a movie theater and just looked at these leading men and were like, I've got my lady, leading lady. It's Betty. And she's like, actually, I want your best friend. Oh, it was, it's always Betty, too, in like the 40s, isn't it? It is. Always. You Bettys. <laughs> wow. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I'm sure she's a sweet girl. Yeah, I'm sure she was great. And if your grandma or mom is named Betty, we apologize. Oh, yeah, no, um, no hard feelings. No hard feelings. Um, so he was like, this will never happen to me again, this heartbreak. And I'm going to completely reinvent myself. Truckers for Betty are here. Truckers for Betty, yeah. They're like, <laughs> justice! Um, he was going to completely reinvent himself and make himself into this manly man. And to do that, he turned to Esquire magazine, which was the magazine for men at the time. And like still is a the magazine. It's like chic. It's chic. Not necessarily just for men, but the magazine at the moment still. Yeah. Um, Back in the day, they had hunting magazines, but this was a magazine for men that was about like culture and um, art and Mm. just more sexy. Was do you know if Esquire at the time had women like in it or like fe- articles well, featured about women? They had these things called Petty Girls, which were like pinups, and it was actually named after the artist. I don't know his first name, but his last name was Petty. But it was if you mean women in that way, they did. It was drawings, actually, not even photos of women in like lingerie and bikinis, mm. and like now we're like. 
I mean, I've probably posted a racier picture on Instagram for sure. than that. But for the time, it was But like, for the time, that was like what you looked at. That's what the men took off to war to look at. God, in a drawing. How sad. Like you can't even get the real thing. <laughs> you can't even imagine. So this is just like what a difference the world is in. Mm-hmm. Um, and he put them all over his walls, too. He was obsessed with these women. God, his parents are like, we got to do something about this kid. <laughs> like we said, no drinking, no smoking. And yeah. like, this is They're what like, you But become. you can be masturbating out in the open. <laughs> They're like, I don't want to talk to you. You do your thing. Which I think is how a lot of parents probably are. That is true. That'll be my parenting style. Truly. And of this time. Period. And of this time. For sure. So he, you know, turns to Esquire, develops his persona. He goes off to college and he starts working at a college magazine called Shaft, which... Gross. Gross. And I don't even think it was like a sexy magazine, but now you can't say shaft without. No. And even that word is not sexy. It's not, but it sure makes you think about something. Hey, that's true. That's good marketing. (laughs) Good for them. And Hugh Hefner was drawn to it, apparently. Sure he was. But so he was working at that magazine, just, you know, writing articles, putting cartoons in there. And in 1948, everything changed for him when a book came across his desk and it was called the Sexual Behaviors in the Human Male by sexologist Alfred Kinsey. And in this study, he showed that American men and women had a lot more sexual experience than most people were willing to admit. So there was affairs, there was same-sex experiences, and multiple partners, and it made news across the country. And was this the first time it was widely even talked about, you think? I think so. And something else that you pointed out is Alfred Kinsey has the Kinsey scale. So that is the same guy? Probably. Probably. I mean, that's like... And if you want to explain what the Kinsey scale is. So the Kinsey scale is um, a theory that Alfred Kinsey discovered um, that tries to find a point on a scale from one to six, I believe, on where you lie sexually with your orientation. Exactly. From like one being straight. Yes. To six being you're solely into the same sex. Right. But... Say it. Everybody's a little gay. (laughs) my favorite phrase. Truly. It is true. true. I think, I do think sexuality is very fluid. And it's a spectrum. And when people say that now, we have Kinsey to maybe thank for bringing that in. Absolutely. Not even in the fifties yet. No. You know, revolutionary. So it changed everything. And it was also crazy in the forties, in the late forties and in the fifties, men and women in Hollywood were not allowed to be shown in the same bed together. Not even if they were a married couple, but no one was talking about sex. No. And then this man comes out with a book and it's like, not only are people having sex, they're cheating on their significant others. They're having sex with the same um, gender. I wonder if there were like sex jokes on TV. I think there has to be. We're human beings and human beings have always... um, Lean towards sex. Right. So it's like you can't show it, but you can still make little like little jokes things. about it and then the laugh track. Absolutely. Like, don't show them touching each Absolutely. Other. And then everyone's like, oh, that was a sex joke. Fascinating. Yes. So, I mean, that changed everything for Hugh. And he was like inspired by revealing the hypocrisy when it comes to sex. So when he was at this magazine, he started doing racy cartoons, writing essays about sex, and challenging the conformity of it. Because Mm -hmm. he was like, sex, and this is where I will say I totally agree with Hugh Hefner, sex isn't shameful. It's the most natural thing in the world. How we talk about sex is shameful. How we put shame around it makes Mm -hmm. it uncomfortable and weird, but it's not, sex, sex isn't bad. Totally. And anything that is a taboo subject 
And that kind of goes back to one of our episodes on prohibition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you take something away or you don't talk about it, it makes it more desirable for everyone. Absolutely. And I think his interest in it is commendable mm-hmm. that he was like, let's at least, you know, yeah. put this on the table. Let's, yeah, let's talk about it and not make it so weird. Yeah. Um, he was actually a virgin when he got married. Believe it or not, everyone. He, at 22, he proposed to his college sweetheart, um, Millie Williams, I believe is her last name is Williams. Um, and they were both virgins. They did everything but, mm. which is very typical. Anal? <laughs> everything but and but. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> but you never know what these like. You never know. I mean, I feel like. Kids. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I feel like everyone will try everything except for like penetration just to say that like it's not sex. Which is so funny. Which I guess anal is penetration. That's true, but don't some some people do say that? that oh, I'm sure they do. They're like, it's not the hole where you can make a baby, right? So, so he was getting a shit ton of blowjobs. Yeah, oh, blowjobs! I bet all day. I bet, and I would like to say that I would hope he reciprocated, but I doubt it. But yeah, not so sure with you, Hefner. <laughs> I go back and forth for thinking that he did or he didn't, right? Because he could either be like, I love going down on yes. women, or he's like, nope, that's not a man's job. A hundred percent, and I could see it go either way with Same, him. Unfortunately, unfortunately, um, so. That's just an interesting little fact about him in college. Also, something that he did at the magazine, though, is he started these little features in it called Co-Eds of the Month. And what he wanted to do was feature a girl on the campus, share her career info, her interests, what she was into, her statistics, which I don't know if statistics means like the grades she makes or like her body statistics. Right. I mean, like something tells me it might not be the great, but yeah, like if it's a whole like you know, preview. It was. It was like a bio of like, get to know this girl. Right. And isn't this also during the time where like women were first admitted to being able to go to college? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. I forget when it like, it was turned, that it was okay that it wasn't co-ed. I forget what you I mean, mean, we're in like the 40s, so I can't imagine there's, and I can't imagine there's too many like co-ed schools right. too. Interesting. So he did that and just hold on to that little fact because we'll, we'll go back to it later. Mm. We're foreshadowing mm-hmm. here. Love a foreshadow. We love it. Um, so he's, like I said, I just am kind of skipping on this all over the place, but still a virgin. He's going to get married to his college sweetheart, Millie, and tell, well, they still do, but she reveals to him that she had an affair as well. God damn it, Millie. And he, God damn He's it, Millie. fucked over by these women. Well, he, Millie and Betty, like, messed with his heart, and he was shattered. But also, it's kind of interesting to think about someone cheating on Hugh and him not cheating on them. And this is also interesting. This might have scarred him and explained some things. Yeah, I mean, the conservative background plus, like, multiple heartbreak when you're that age, which you're so, like, impressionable. Yeah. Kind of makes sense why yep. he had a certain thought about women. Yes, exactly. doesn't make it excuseful. Like, maybe let's do some therapy, but right. explain some things. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Just, you know, getting to know the person. Exactly. So the thing at the time, though, is, like, even if you have an affair, you don't really talk about it, and you're kind of like, we're just going to get married anyways, right. which is what they did. So not off to a great start for his marriage, but it is what it is. Right. 
1951, he actually lands his dream job at Esquire, mm. which is so, which is just so cool for me. I'm like, you go, Hugh, because you dream about something and you read something as a kid, and then you get to work there. That's like what the 1950s seemed like. Yeah, the American like, dream. The world is yours, <laughs> right? Well, also interesting that you bring that up. It was his dream job, but after the war. So now we're in the 50s, after World War II, the whole country had become way more conservative. Right. And everyone is like this American dream mindset now. Mm-hmm. So he was started working at Esquire and was like, wait, this isn't all the stuff that I thought I was going to be because I can't do my racy cartoons and I can't talk about sex here and all of that stuff. He asked for a $5 raise and they were like, nah, and he quits on the spot. Wow. Also, $5 raise is kind of bold. I know because I can't imagine that was... Not a lot of money back then. Right. Like, yeah. Be like, is... my mom's shaking her head listening to yeah, this. Yeah, just like, <laughs> fuck you guys. <laughs> you don't know how much $5 is worth in the 50s. <laughs> yeah, my mom's shaking her head about that and not about the rest of the things that we're talking right, about. Right, yeah. She's like, that, you know, that, I was doing fine until you mentioned that. <laughs> that took me over the line. Um, so <laughs> here's the problem is that he was working at his dream job. Everything was fine. Then he gets fired. At this point, he has a child. And he's has a wife, and the wife is not working. It's the 50s. Mm. He's got to figure something out. So he was like, you know what? I'm going to make my own magazine, and it's going to appeal to guys like me, and it's going to feature article articles about music, art, literature, culture, and we're going to address sex head on. Head on. Head on. I like a pun? Yeah. <laughs> Mine's in the gutter now. What can I say? We're talking what can about I Playboy. Say? Everyone's is. Welcome. It's a great place to be. <laughs> um, so remember those pinup girls that he loved? Mm-hmm. He was like, let's take it a step further in our magazine and let's have them completely nude. Dirty dog. Dirty, dirty dog. Dirty dog. Now, there were some nude magazines back then, but it was mainly art stuff. So he was like, I want it to be editorial with an editorial message. And that message is that sex is okay. Got it. So every other magazine before this was like the magazines that you buy like secretly just to... I don't even think that there was that many sex magazines at the time. I think if you wanted to see a naked woman, it was like artsy... Interesting. There was some calendars, oh, but there yes. wasn't any magazines with that. So there Got was like it. calendar girls that were new, but no like magazines that had that. Plus, you're going to see naked girls, but let's have an interesting article in there as well. Playboy, I read it for the mag- for the article. For the article. Yep. Famous quote. Fam- who said that? There's that an episode. Like a that's the thing. Like everyone's like, oh, I get Playboy because the right. article's like, sure, Jan. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Of course. Me too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely just the articles. Um, so he and his friend, he gets his friend Eldon in, and they're like, let's make it. We're going to make this magazine and call it Stag Party. It's an aggressive name. It is a douchey name, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, really, though. Like, Ugh. okay. Stag Party. And they're, they're um, as I'm looking at, like, a stag party. I do, I do have that in my home. Yes. Um, and their uh, mascot was a stag. So they're like, let's get going. They start raising money. Their last investment was actually from $1,000 from his conservative mother. So funny. So weird. Because, like, I don't allow you to dance in my home, but you're going to do magazine naked girls? I'll give you $1,000. Yeah, yeah. She had some guilt. She must have. She was like, you know what? You've been, like, broken up with and cheated on, and maybe this is my fault. And you clearly have a fascination with naked women. Yeah. She's, like, shaking hand him a check. (laughs) 
Like, actually. And $1,000 is a lot of money back I know, then. I still wish I had a better, like, grasp on the conversion. We need someone here to be converting money and times. So. Does anybody professionally do this for a living? Call us. Call us. We won't call is you. This your, you call us. Yes, your biggest. Your passion. Passion? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd like to know. We'd like, we'd like to know. We'll figure it out. So they develop their team, and they work out of... Hefner's apartment while he's married and has a kid and is making a magazine full of nude women. Jesus. Um, he also sells his furniture to uh, get funding for everything, oh which I would be so that woman, the patience yeah, Millie the, must have had. I mean, I'm sure it was a dark household. <laughs> he just sells like the baby's crib. She's like, please. <laughs> he's like, we need it for the magazine. <laughs> so how do they make this magazine revolutionary? was their question. I love their first idea, which was, let's put the magazine in 3D and attach 3D glasses. Because the 50s, 3D was everything. I did not know that 3D existed at this time. I didn't either, but people went crazy for it. Like, it was, it's our virtual reality, which... Yeah. Have you ever seen VR porn? No, have you? I sure have. An ex-boyfriend. Really? Yes. We'll talk after the episode. We'll talk after the episode. Is it crazy? It's crazy, guys. And it's crazy. I'll leave it I at that. I think I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yes, yes. It's crazy. Whoa. But I think that that's kind of like what they were going for, which I also think is a dangerous place when it starts getting too realistic. Right. I mean, even like you can argue there's a lot of issues with porn, porn because of that exact reason of just like, let's get back to reality, people. Absolutely. <laughs> like, let's connect with humans yes. one-on-one. Wow. 100%. But the thing that was the problem with that is that it would, would have been so expensive to attach 3D glasses oh, to every for that issue. Time. Yeah. I'm sure it was like ten dollars for also, the magazine. Like you lose what do you attach 3D glasses to every magazine or do you get it with your first? Like how do you Right. Do you have to be like a have a subscription? Yes. A lot of marketing questions. Exactly. It's too much. Too many. So they were just like, honestly, we just need the perfect girl to be our cover star mm. and our spread in the magazine. Smart. Wow. In the fall of 1953, oh, I always do this. Mm. I'm going to lead you in mm. in a different way. Ooh, guessing game? A guessing game. So in this time, <laughs> the only way that you could get nude photos was primarily through calendar companies. So calendar companies would take photos of nude models. You could buy it off of them. Unless you had your own photographer, but they're a startup. They can't afford to like hire their own photographer, find models. So they have to buy from calendar companies at the time. There was a model that posed for a calendar and she was so beautiful that it was said that the photographer was so nervous, he forgot to change the film. And there are some images that just are just are double images and they're on top of each other. Oh my God. Because he was just so taken with her beauty. Jesus. That model's name was Norma Jean Baker. That model goes on to become Marilyn Monroe. <gasps> the biggest star in the world at the time of 1953 when Playboy is coming out. Before she'd ever done a movie? Before she'd ever done a movie. She, is this when she was brunette? She was like redhead brunette. Oh, yeah. Yes. And so when Marilyn Monroe was pre-movie star, she needed money. And so she posed nude for a calendar company. And her name at the time was Norma Jean Baker. Cut to 1953. She's the biggest star in the world. There's all this gossip going around that there's nude photos of Marilyn Monroe out. And she's already like a sex symbol. So can you imagine? This is like when we don't have social media, we can't get access to people's yeah. nudes on the internet, which is wild that it's just out there now. 
did she like regret doing it once she started to become famous from the movies? Like, I fuck, why did I do Playboy? Know. Or was it like, this is good for well, my career? So there's rumors about these nude photos about Marilyn Monroe. And he was like, we have to get them. I'm sure he was. We, I mean, what a way to start a your magazine. Off of those, Hugh. <laughs> yeah. So what a way to start a magazine. Yeah. He goes to the calendar company, buys those images for $500. I don't think Marilyn, no, I know for sure Marilyn wasn't paid a dime from that. I mean, I bet they never were. I bet they never were, which is so disappointing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, it's kind of crazy. It's like you just buy the rights to her naked body and put them in a magazine without having to ask her twice. I mean, this is like story of her life, maybe, yeah, rest in peace. Like, actually, just everyone taking advantage of her. It's just absolutely like no control. The Britney doc in the 50s. So, is that literally not much has really changed? Not like maybe recently, really but so sad. Yeah, but these photos, guys, are so beautiful. Stunning. I mean, she is just ugh. Everything about her—it's her eyes. Like I see why the photographer was so nervous when he was. I'm gonna pull it up. I'm gonna yes, pull it up. Taking that, she saw these sheets and like turned to the side, and they were everything. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. Um, they said like, later was Photoshop back here. Cause she does not look like she has one little dimple in her butt. I know. Right. I don't know if there's Photoshop back it then. It just all looks very, um, well, they're probably like the lens over. It's like, you can't and pick, the lighting and stuff. Like, it's like very soft. Um, they That's actually cool. an interesting fact. Hugh Hefner is laid to rest next to Meryl Monroe. Did they ever hook up? I don't know if they ever hooked up. And it's so interesting because the documentary that I watched was very, like, in favor of Hugh Hefner. It's American Playboy on Amazon. What a weird one. Because they do reenactments. Um, But I I don't know if they were friends or not or if he thought they were friends. And she's like, you exposed my news. I could imagine Hugh Hefner, like, kind of having that attitude with a lot of people being like, yep, we're super close, go way back. And they're like, fuck you. He's that guy. He's that guy. Literally, like, they're like, best friends took advantage of me. Exactly. Damn. So Dark. Well, hey, dark. I wonder what they're talking about. In, yeah. And wherever they in are. In the afterlife. In the afterlife. Um, so they're about to go with these pictures, public, but there's a little problem. There is a hunting magazine called Stag, and they were like, uh, actually, you can't use our name because we'll see you. They were a hunting magazine. Yeah, all that. So they were like, we got to figure out. We're a week away from publication. We got to figure out our name. Oh, damn. Which back then also you can't go on a computer and just retype stag party into another name. You have to cut out on the paper the name. Oh, and put in another paper. Redo all of it. Oh, God. Exhausting. And they had to completely rebrand. Well, they came up with the name because one of his business partners – Mom had a car. <laughs> All goes back to the mother. <laughs> Always goes back to the mother. From a car company called Playboy. And they're like, that's a good name. Which, way better than Stag Party. Playboy's so good. Playboy is so good. You just like already have an image, and that's from the brand that they built. But yes, you already know what a Playboy perfect. is. Yeah. Um, it's like young and uh, fun, and they also needed, needed a new mascot. They decided on Bunny because they thought that was sexual and fun, which... I don't think of sex necessarily with bunnies, although there is this trailer that goes around Venice that has two bunnies having sex. Oh, have you no. seen that? The cartoon? No, I haven't. It's very disturbing. I'm so sorry to even bring that up. Well, I guess it's like, <laughs> is that, am I, what's the phrase? Like they're, they're having sex like rabbits? Yeah, something like or that. Or is that not the animal? No, I think that they're like multiplying Right, because you're just like bum, 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 bum. There they, it is. They go quick and they go fast. I think there's a vibrator named a rabbit. Oh, yeah, so you're just very energized and sexual. They were right all along. You're just humping everything you see. Everything you see. 
So they drew also the logo in four minutes that we see today. Wow, and it's iconic. It is Everyone knows it. Iconic. It's iconic. Has it changed at all, you think? Um, well, in the beginning, it was just like a really weird cartoon drawing of a bunny, and eventually they drew the logo after the first few issues. Mm, with a little bow tie. Yes, with a little bow tie. And that little change came to define the magazine for decades. Yeah. And now 700,000, or sorry, I'm, whoa, not that much. 70,000 copies were heading out to me. Mostly, <laughs> right answers. Mostly. Mostly. Seven, always on brand. Clear. Always. Thank you. Um, 70,000 copies were heading out to major cities around the country. And in December 1953, Playboy hits the newsstands. And in the first two weeks, it was virtually sold out. Yeah, I bet you have a bunch of like horny fucking men that can't. Talk about mm-hmm. sex. Mm-hmm. Probably some of them can't have sex. Absolutely. And now all of a sudden, there's Marilyn Monroe who's like, naked. Let me get my hands on this. Right. God, I can't imagine. Like, we, all of the biggest stars in the world we've already seen, like, totally naked, pretty much. And I wonder, like, when these men were buying it, like, you go to the store to buy it. I wonder, like, the atmosphere in which it's like, do you kind of like, it's like when you buy condoms, yeah. you know, when you're like, I'm going to put some other things in here and here's like a uh, back yes. of gum. And then I wonder how many hit it from their wives versus not. Just like not. I feel like everyone kind of hit it in a way. It was like yeah. that thing where you like put it under your jacket when you got to pay for it. And totally. Like, yeah. Cause I'm sure like oh, any wife in the fifties wouldn't be like, I support you. Yeah. No way. No yeah. way. And everyone wants to be like perfect, you know? Totally. So, um, so Let's talk about some things that make Playboy what it is. Yeah. So, Charlene Carlos, Carlos, Charlene Carlos was the only woman who worked at Playboy um, mm-hmm. at this time, which I can't imagine being the only woman in the 50s to work at a company and it's Playboy. Yeah, she probably was very harassed. Very. I mean, well, right. she ended up having an affair with Hugh Hefner. Right. And it's like, was that consensual? Was Who it? Knows? I mean, I think there's some blurred lines For sure. in there. We will never know. We will never know. Also, he is still married and has two kids at this point. Oof. So as the issues are going out because they're having success, they still, they're like, we're never going to have a Maryland again. So, but they still had to pick these nude women from uh, calendar catalogs. Right. Well, Charlene was like, why don't we just get our own photographers and start doing it ourselves. Like we're starting to have success. Let's do it. She's like, I could be like, you know, actually, because (laughs) Hugh was like, why don't you do it, baby? (laughs) Was she, she was beautiful. She was young. Yes. She was young. He was young at this point. I feel like I also always imagine Hugh Hefner on the verge of death. (laughs) Same. I can't imagine him as a young man. Yes. Well, he was very scrawny. I want to look him up as a young man. Kind of bird like, um, but not hideous. Bird-like. Every, every man's dream to Ever, be described. Skinny oh, and bird-like. Yeah. He looks very um, creepy, yeah. even when he's young, yes. kind of. He fills out a little bit as he gets older. He has a huge nose. He, yes, he does. He huge. sure does. Takes up his entire face. We can say it because he did some nasty things, okay? Exactly. I'm like, hey, no judgment. No judgment. But also, wow. Well, so he's, so he's having an affair with her and is like, I like what I see. Sorry to be vulgar. But he was like, you do it. And she was like, like me? <laughs> and she ended up being Miss July. Um, but they wanted to make sure that the readers knew that she wasn't the normal model. She was the girl next door. 
Is that when that whole concept sort of came to be? Of it, like, if you're not glamorous or like super hot, but you have this sort of sweetness about right. you. I don't know if it came to be from Playboy. I don't know if they coined the term girl next door. Right. I think it was probably before that. But that vibe is what they started going off of and making it, they wanted women who were more, quote unquote, approachable. Right. And like, they took... The idea, he had the idea from the co-eds that he did at the magazines, mm. and he was like, let's do the same thing and call them Playmates and do um, like a story on them. Good marketing. It is you good marketing. Say. And if you're a lonely man and you see a naked woman, you want to act like you know her. Sure do. So I feel like giving the statistics and their personalities and what they like humanize them even more which like of course they're humans right but a lot of men in this time probably didn't think of women absolutely like that and if they just wanted to feel more connected to them i guess wow yeah so they started having playmates from that she uh charlene ends up being miss july and the girl next door they loved it so they started going more in that direction they also had to figure out this thing of getting the quality of photos in high resolution by making it bigger. But they couldn't do that back then. Yeah. They wanted to see the boobies up close. Well, who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? I mean, boobies are you gorgeous. You want to see them from afar. They're, they're beautiful things. If you watch Real Hot Sides in New Jersey, the bubbies. Bubbies. Mm-hmm. Bubbies. So they came up with this little thing called the centerfold, which is where you, everyone knows it. It's iconic now, and they created it. I had no idea they were the first ones to do the they centerfold. They were, and also, like, honestly, genius. Genius for, yeah, men being super detrimentally horny has given us something. Absolutely. And, like, I feel so safe by being, like, or safe. I feel strongly to be able to say that is a genius idea. It can be problematic while still being a genius idea. A hundred percent agreed. Right? Yes. Without g- getting all into it. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, we want to see something up close and personal that and our that's magazine the way represents bigger and better. That's the way to do it. So in 1956, they published their first issue with the Centerfold. And just after three years, Playboy was the number one men's lifestyle magazine, beating out Esquire, who three years earlier refused to give Hugh a $5 raise. Wow. The... He must have felt so vindicated. He must have. And also at this time, they're getting so much success. He starts living this bachelor lifestyle, and he's just partying all the time. Is he still married? He is. Mm. He starts having women around him all the time, and it made him realize that he wanted to change the direction of the magazine on how to be a guide to be the ultimate bachelor, to be the playboy. He created the idea of the Playboy and the Bachelor. It all it goes back to when he's like sixteen. Yes, exactly. So he's still just trying to romanticize his life for him. Yep. Absolutely. Well, after Dark. a decade of marriage and two children, they got a divorce. Surprising <laughs> that it lasted a decade though. Ten years, but it's the fifties. I mean, at this point, he was not sleeping at home. He had a couch in his office. They're growing right. exponentially. But anything to not get divorced at that time. Absolutely, like, you, you just, just don't do it. Around. You just grin and bear it. And he was so absent in his kids' lives at this point. Like I don't know how she lasted ten years. But again, it was. A different time true so as the magazine is growing they wanted to figure out ways to include more people into playboy so they created a variety show um and this is a way that viewers can view the magazine in the comfort of their own homes and there was only three channels at the time cbs nbc and abc and it was on late at night it was on late at night yeah but it was basically it wasn't anything really raunchy it was him hanging around with friends with beautiful women around 
Oh, he was in it. He was in it. He was truly He loves like, the limelight. He loves the limelight. There's so many things that it's like we could go deep dive into the psychology of Hugh Hefner. For sure. Maybe for another episode. Yeah, maybe for another episode and get a psychologist on yeah, here because I would amazing. love to dive They're in. They're like, you know what? It's very black and white. Like, we don't really have much to say. But is it? He's not complicated. Yeah, exactly. So he was in it with, uh, you know, just living the bachelor life on a TV show. But they also, and this is where I'm like, you can do good things while also being a sleazebag. Nat King Cole and Ella Fitzgerald were some of the performers, and the network was like, you cannot have them on because we can't air it in the South if you do that because they are black performers. And Hugh Hefner was like, I don't care. Don't air it in the South then, but they're going to be on there. Wow. Which for the 50s is, you know, for a white male. Yeah. We shouldn't be so shocked and applauding it, but here we are. But for the time. But for the time, that's yeah, what no, it was. No one else is doing that. That's what it was. Also something about the Playboy lifestyle is he is very rich at this point, and he buys a 40-bedroom mansion in Chicago in 1959. I looked up how much for $400,000. Just a four hundred thousand dollar mansion in nineteen fifty nine. That is nothing compared to now. You can't even get a nice house in wow. LA. A forty bedroom mansion. Forty bedrooms. Forty bedrooms. They had a disco. They had a theater. They had a pool in the basement. And for four hundred thousand dollars, it could be Damn. yours in nineteen fifty nine. Wow. Oh yeah, it was party central. Guests included Chelsea Silverstein. Chelsea Silverstein popped up all around Playboy. Really? And he was like the author of my childhood. That is, well, you know, at the end of the day, it's not that shocking. <laughs> no, it really isn't. Um, Bill Cosby yeah. is also a guest. That's where it gets dark. Um, the Rolling Stones. Of course, it's just, you know, the lifestyle. Yeah, you felt cool going there. Absolutely. I'm sure it was a place to be seen. Absolutely. Um, the third and fourth floors would become bunny dormitories. Where uh, you could rent it out for fifteen dollars, fifty dollars a month, which is fifty dollars uh, a month. Yeah, but I guess where that's some playmates stay. So they stayed there, and then you could have sex with them. I'm sure that's what he did. Got it. So it's the OG Playboy Mansion. So they also fix, uh, featured pictures of this mansion and the parties and everything regularly through Playboy. And people were like, I have to go to those parties. They yeah. look like, which they did look like so fun. I'm sure. Like now it's just like a different time for even parties in general. Exactly. But like during that time, there's no social media. Yeah, there's no. like everything's so extravagant. And everyone's feeling free. People didn't know as much about drugs. Uh-huh. <laughs> what they could do to you. Wow. People were experimenting left and right. So it was a great time. So they were like, let's create a place where people can live the Playboy lifestyle. Um, And so they opened on February 29th, 1960 in Chicago, the first Playboy Club. And it was laid out like the Playboy Mansion, essentially. Um, It was only men could be members, which problematic. Problematic, yeah. But uh, that was of the time. Um, they had like key club members. When you went there, they put your name on um, the wall to show who was there that night. Oh and it was God. just this like, they had some of um, pictures of the Playboy magazines like lit up and <gasps> throughout. Cool. It, was, it sounded so fun. And I just looked up a picture of like the first um, like opening night and all of the Playboy bunnies have different 
colored corsets. Yes. And for some reason, I always just vis- visualize them only in black. They were in all different colors. Well, so let's talk about the Playboy bunnies. Yeah, yeah. So the Playboy bunnies were who were the cocktail servers and the waitresses at the Playboy Club. And they dressed in the iconic bunny outfit, which the costume is now in the Smithsonian. Sorry. The costume is now in the Smithsonian and has a copyright on the costume. I mean, it is. You have to admit it's iconic. And you also have to admit that you've always wanted to dress like one for Halloween. I will say without any shame, I think that costume is sexy as hell and is so it's beautiful. So, it is stunning. I it mean, like stunning. It, it accentuates the woman's body to a T. To a T. Like the curves. The- and it's fun with the cufflinks and the bow tie. I'll say it. I think this Playboy bunny outfit is sexy I, as hell. I think it is too. I want to do this for Halloween this year. I still do. Let's it's, do it. It's, let's do it. Um, well, so it was a little uh, tough life to be a Playboy bunny. They all, they had auditions for Playboy bunny waitresses. You had to be between like 18 to 24 years old. It's tough. It's tough. Um, you were only allowed to use your first name. You couldn't be seen Ugh. wearing jewelry. Uh, first name. So you would go up to the table and you, you would say like, hi, my name is Tess and I'm your bunny for the evening. Wow. Wow. It, it makes me a little excited. <laughs> Same in a way I can't really describe. Like I'm. It is. I think it can be sexy while also being problematic. Exactly. Both things can be true. Both of these things can be true. <laughs> so um, they went through rigorous training led by the bunny mothers, which are the- oh, something about that just seems <laughs> I upsetting. They can make a horror film with like the bunny, bunny mothers and the bunny. Yeah, like, like they're bunnies. kind of jealous of like the bunny's youth. Oh, well, the playmates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they had training for four hours a day. On the documentary, it said training for four hours a day, six days a week. Jesus. You had to learn the bunny stance, which is how you stood with your drinks. The bunny perch, which is how you would like sit. You couldn't just sit a normal way. And the bunny dip, which is iconic. And it's where you lean backwards and set the drinks down in that way. Also while in six inch heels. It's like the original bend and snap. Absolutely. <laughs> wow. So... Gloria Steinem actually went undercover as a Playboy bunny in the New York club for a month. So cool. A month? A month. Did she live there? She, I guess she lived in New York, but so you didn't have to live at the club. Oh, you just worked got there. It. How did, did no one know who she was at that time? She did, I, I actually brought a picture to show you, but I can't show you right now, yeah, but yeah. she looked very different. So she like literally went undercover. She went undercover. Shall I talk about her revelations? Yes. Yikes. I'm scared. <laughs> So she goes there. She changes her age to 24 when she was actually 28 at the time. And the woman who was like, who she first met with, who was a bunny mother, was like, yikes, 24, it's a little old, but let me see your body take off your coat. (gasps) Not even joking. So she does that. Oh, God. A requirement at the beginning of becoming a Playboy bunny at the club was getting a medical exam, which included- A pap smear. To see if you were a virgin or not? I don't know why they did that. My guess would be one of the rules as a Playboy bunny was that you couldn't sleep with the men at the clubs. So I'm wondering, but I'm sure that happened. I'm wondering if they were checking them for STDs. Wow. Oh, I'm sure because they don't want to Allegedly. Or they also don't want to lose customers. Absolutely. So that's- I'm sure they're all sleeping together. They have to be. Are you kidding me? You think those men are going to come to a Playboy club and not try to hook up with those ladies? No. And I'm sure a lot of the men too that went there were like- Hot, rich, yes. attractive Absolutely. men that these younger women were like, yeah, fuck Why yeah. not? Why yeah. not? I'm young. Let's mm-hmm. do it. Um, you know, you're not young. Let's I, do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And when she asked why the medical exams, they said it's free and it's a, it's good for everybody. 
I'm like, I know. So no one it. knew except for her. Like, did she have like someone on the inside that was like, I'm also helping you do this? No, she, she just, just went in and went acted like, I'm yeah. here to be a Playboy bunny. Crazy. Crazy. Um, apparently there were demerits, which could take off your paycheck. So if your ears were crooked, demerit, off your paycheck. Crooked? Yep. But they're supposed to be, it's cute. Yep. God. That's personality. Bunnies do have crooked ears in real Absolutely. life. Absolutely. If your tail is dirty, demerit. Off your paycheck. So she wrote about her experience and published it. And after that, he was like, you know, we could stop the medical exams and let's forget about all those demerits. I'm sorry. You're right. But I'm like, in the words of JoJo, it's just a little too late, a little too late, and I can't wait. Yeah, it's, it's wow. a little too late here. <laughs> yeah, and like once you're, fu- it's kind of like fucking Justin Justin Timberlake right now being like, you're yes. right, shouldn't have treated Britney I like that. I should have done that. Fucking 20 years later. Yeah, absolutely, and let's not have the excuse of like, it's the 50s, like let's not make women get medical exams like that. It's very invasive. It's very invasive, um, but if it weren't for all that stuff, that sounds like a great fun time to wear those costumes. Costumes, but I don't want to have to do the bunny dip. I'm way too clumsy. I'd never make it. Right. And I'm sure you're just having men touch you. Uh, yeah. It's, it just seems It's like tough. romanticized version of it. Absolutely. And I think also like going back to you can have both fantasies of something. Yes. It's like that's hot. I want to like wear that outfit and be serving drinks all night in the 60s. And then we can also be like that was yes. harassment. Absolutely. I were during every day. Wear that outfit and look hot while also not have men demoralize Yes, and touching you without consent. <laughs> Absolutely. They also um, had some of the best entertainers at the Playboy Club. Aretha Franklin, Sam Cooke, Ray Charles, Bette Midler, oh, Steve wow. Martin did a set there. And some black artists say that's the only club they didn't have to go in through the back door to perform. Wow. Which and also, wasn't Playboy kind of revolutionary for its time with their advertisements of like... Or not advertisements, but they promoted pro-choice. Yes. So that's in the articles. Playboy was there. That's the thing that is so tough. It's because while they were doing this to women, they were also promoting um, in their articles uh, female contraception and that it should be used and available to people. They were promoting free and safe abortions. And legal, not free, but legal, safe abortions. So it's like... Why can't you see that you're doing this, but you can't... Just because you're doing something good doesn't mean you can hold on to that. Exactly. You have to, like, across the board, evenly distribute your, like, power and your opportunity to speak to people in a right right. way. It's interesting because it's almost like truly the male gaze of, like, contraception has to do with men and sex. Right. Abortion has to do with having sex with a man. But then it's like you put a woman on display by herself and she has to have her clothes off mm-hmm. almost. Yeah. But again, like I will take articles in the 50s and 60s about safe female contraception and safe, accessible, legal abortions over nothing. Any For day. sure. Yeah, no, truly. Any day. Um, they also expanded internationally to the London Playboy Club, which London was a hot spot. In the 60s, 40% of their population was under 25 Oh, that'd be such what a fun a place to be fun in the sixties, and there was like the British revolution, like yeah. the British invasion in America. So everyone wanted to be in London. Oh god! And you could gamble, so they made it into a casino. So fun, so fun. So going back to like the articles that they did and the interviews, it was truly revolutionary. I know people say I read it for the interview, but it really was. Yeah. Um, 
They interviewed Steve Jobs and Rand. Bob Dylan, the Beatles, like everyone you could think of. But even deeper than that, they gave Malcolm X a platform in 1963 to have an article. And no one was giving Malcolm X a platform at that time, like a big national publication, because he was pro-violence and he would say white people were the devil and all of that. But Playboy, Hugh Hefner was like, he still needs to have a voice in this. Yeah, And he was very pro-civil rights. Martin Luther King gave his longest interview ever to Playboy. So crazy. They must have had some good uh, personable journalists. I think so too. And also it's like these men being like, let's kick back. Yeah. And talk. And also no one had a publicist back then. So they were like, let's try it. Yes, exactly. Let's see. You can say anything. Wow. Um, Jimmy Jimmy Carter, uh, sorry. Yes. Jimmy Carter was the first presidential candidate to give an interview to Playboy. And he's talked about the lust in his heart. Gross. <laughs> I don't want to hear about the lust in your heart. Jimmy Keep Carter. it in your heart. Shut the hell up. But it truly like humanized him because people saw him as like this conservative yeah. um, candidate. And so like, oh, if he's doing a playboy, he's not as strict as I thought he was. Right. So they're growing exponentially, their company. Um, he started another TV show in the 70s, in the early <laughs> 70s. And so you're fine. It, the variety show in the 50s was very like suits and cigars while this is like summer of love playboy wow on the set he meets i think the true love of his life barbie benton she was an extra in playboy after dark the tv show um and he asked her out she said i don't know i've never been on a date with anyone older than 24 and hugh hefner goes neither have i oh my god (laughs) run barbie what literally run also like has any? I feel like some a certain man has also said that to me. I, I, <laughs> we're in LA, of course. We've all heard they it. Have. We've heard something like that. Yes, and they it's have. disturbing. It is disturbing. Um, <laughs> so she becomes a co-host of Playboy After Dark. Like she becomes his right hand girl, yes. and she is she's his muse. Um, by the end of the '60s, one in every four college men subscribe to Playboy. So with L.A., he's still living in Chicago at the time. He's flying everywhere. So he's like, I'm going to buy a commercial airline plane. And he does. Why not? Why not? And he calls it the Big Bunny. He bought it for five and a half. Oh, sorry. He bought it and reconstructed it for five and a half million dollars, which today would be over $38 million. Good God. Good God. It could sleep 38 people. It had a movie theater, a dance floor. Um, One of the playmates said it was like a house. And, of course, there were jet bunnies. And these women wore black mini dresses, scarves, and boots. And they were modeled after the Bond girls. The outfits are pretty cool. They're so cute. (laughs) I gotta say. there is an iconic photo of the Playboy bunnies and the bunny costumes, like, walking up. It was a jet black plane with a white bunny. It is pretty chic. I cannot lie. it's not just this private jet. It's a commercial airline. Oh, my God. So as this is expanding, he decides to move to L.A. He needs a place to live. His girlfriend, Barbie, was hearing about this mansion in Bel Air. Sorry, Beverly Hills. She hops the fence this mansion, walks up to the driveway, knocks on the door and says, would you ever consider selling this to Hugh Hefner? And they were like, sure. Yeah, why not? <laughs> of course. She's like, babe, I want that one. Yeah. <laughs> Buy it. Buy it. <laughs> So it sat on 5.3 acres on the edge of Beverly Hills. He buys it. Uh, he bought it for $1 million at the time. God. Which would be $6 million today, which 
still is not that it's nothing pricey because it's on 5.3 acres he had the largest grove of redwoods in southern california a game house tennis court gym a zoo a like a place for specialty birds those poor animals yeah, like we've seen too much. Like, I know, get me out of this dirty place. I don't like it. Put a blindfold on me. <laughs> yeah. He also was the only private residence in LA, and I think still to this day, the Playboy Mansion is the only private residence that can have fireworks. So he's like, we're setting this up to be a parte. I'm so sorry, I just said parte. Parte, it's okay. You know, um, you're like Gen Z. Yeah. Or no, actually, that's probably no, more that's of a like, millennial thing. Yeah, or even very chuggy of me. If you know, you know. Um, well, just like for a modern thing, in 2010, Hefner's former girlfriend, Isabella St. James, wrote in her memoir, Bunny Tales, that everything in the mansion felt old and stale, and Archie the house dog would regularly relieve himself on the hallway curtains, adding a powerful whiff of urine to the general scent of decay. Each bedroom had mismatched random pieces of furniture, and the mattresses on our beds were disgusting, old, worn, and stained. The sheets were past their best, too. Poor Archie. Poor Archie. He's like, please, someone just take me out. I know, like, literally. Like, it's five acres. Like, a little grass will, will do. That's fine. Anything. Anything. Oh, God. I'm not surprised that that's how it was. It, it in so 2011, like, that's how it was. That's like the metaphor, I think, oh, sorry, for the company, right, at this time. Right. Well, not 2000. Yeah, like 2010, that's how it was, Oof. which is tough. But pre that, it was, Stunning. they took the mansion from Chicago and made it the party central and Every celebrity was there. They said that actors used to schedule their shoot schedule around the Playboy parties. Do you remember uh, the episode of Newlyweds where Nick Lachey goes to the Playboy mansion yes. for a party and Jessica's mad? Well, well, wouldn't you be? I would be, honestly. Especially <laughs> during that time. It's like you go there to like rage, cheat on people. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> also, it's like, can I go? Like, Right. I Weird for your partner to be like, no. Good. Yes, and everyone knows about like the grotto and the nasty, like weird things that happen in the yeah. pool. And well, so later on in January 2016, just to hop ahead, the Playboy Mansion was listed for sale uh, at, for two hundred million dollars and was bought for a hundred million dollars by Darren Metropolis. Metropolis? I don't know if that's how you say it right, but what a last name! The True. co-owner of the Hostess brand, which is interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. So to get into this competition. Um, for Playboy, there was never a magazine at that time in the early years um, until Penthouse came along in 1969. We're going back to the 60s. Just talk about a little competition. It was their mission to take Playboy down. It's thought to be a lifestyle magazine like Playboy. They even had their own version of Playmates called The Pets. Gross. Way worse names than Playmates. So much worse. Your pet? Well, as I'm like, they did dress women up like animals, but right. But at least they didn't call them yeah, back. Exactly. <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> but I mean, in a but way, it's gross. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, what they had that penthouse, or sorry, what penthouse had that Playboy didn't was that they showed pubic hair, full circle, full circle, and people. Loved people it. People love the bush. People loved the bush. Also, it's just like now we're like really seeing things. Yeah. Well, Playboy was like, we're not going to do that because um, they were afraid of being charged by the government for obscenity. And in what? fact, in 1963, Hugh Hefner was arrested for obscenity for an issue that they had with Jane Mansfield where she was naked but in a picture with a fully clothed man. And they were like, that's enough. Good God. So that was what took them over the line. So they're like, we can't do that. But in 1969, the Supreme Court passed a law clarifying obscenity, basically being like, it's fine, whatever you do, as long as it's in your home. Oh, so they got photo shoots in the house? 
so that you can look at the things oh, in the house, which I is see. like very weird. I don't really understand That's that. It's kind of like don't drink on the street, drink at a bar. It's like we're going to drink on the street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're going to do if you want to do something, you're, you're going to do, do it wherever it. you want. Truly. Um so Playboy didn't really have a choice at that point. They're like, "Well, we we got to catch up to Penthouse." So in 1971, a new, more revealing Playboy hit the stands, and Liv Lindelin showed more than any Playmate had before, and they loved it. On the cover or inside? On the cover. Good question. I think it was... That's a good question, because there wasn't many naked photos on the cover. Right. It usually was, like, suggestive. Yes. And she was to the side. And they went even further when Marilyn Cole from the London Club did a full frontal photo shoot she was the first one to stand up show her whole body full frontal and from there they never went back wow i'm sure they didn't how can you go back how after that people back? are like i'm good with seeing that actually right? and it's so crazy because we're so used to seeing sex everywhere on hbo shows everywhere. and everything that we're not full frontal was revolutionary do you think quick side note do you think the bush will come back because I think it will. Yeah, because like that's kind of how we go, like in those waves. Like I think that it definitely. I think that everything always is just like a loop de loop of what it will be. Interesting. You can have your thoughts on that. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> keep it there. We'll keep it carry there. on. <laughs> um. So we can also talk about some oppositions. Mm-hmm. And in the late sixties and seventies, there was a women's liberation movement. We love that. We love to hear it. We love to see it. We love to see it. They did not love to hear or see Playboy. (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) So they argued that Hugh Hefner was, their centerfolds were degrading and objectifying to women. They thought he was a leader of the patriarchy, which they weren't wrong. Right. And I, I, and it's also like, they can't have any, like, it's not so black and white. At that time, it's like, it is. It is. It has to be. Yeah, a hundred percent. And they're not showing any other, they're just showing women. Right. They're not showing men. Exactly. So. He thought that he was doing a good thing by promoting health, healthy, safe sex and all that stuff. But they were like, you're doing it all through the male gaze. Yes. On the Dick Cavett show, Susan Brown Miller and Sally Kempton, who were leaders of the women's liberation movement, sat down with Hugh Hefner. And from the minute he referred to them as girls... It was game over. Well, yeah, don't do that. He was like, said something about girls, and they're like, we're not girls, we're women. And he was like, I just call women of all ages girls. And I'm they're sure like, well, he stop. Did. Yeah, like that's <laughs> the problem right that. there. Yeah. And they basically tore him apart and were like, the minute that you can come out here in a cottontail, that's when we can talk. Fair. Fair. And fair because he actually did write something in his own magazine in 1970, ordering a hit piece on feminist. He said, these chicks are our natural enemy. What I want is a devastating piece that takes the militant feminists apart. These are are unalterably, sorry, they are unalterably, hello, they are unalterably (laughs) opposed to romantic boy-girl society that Playboy promotes. Oh, God. So it's just tough all around. Yeah, it's not okay. No, it's not okay. And in an interview with McCall and Gloria Steinman, his closing arguments to McCall readers, which was a huge feminist magazine, was by Playboy. Ooh, he's like one of those guys that's like, feminists have hairy armpits. That's exactly what it and is. And it's gross, and I've never put that in my magazine. That's exactly what it yeah. is. When now we know feminism gives you the choice to pose nude for a man if you want or to not. Yes. But give us that option. And just not judge other women for their choice as well. Absolutely. (sighs) Absolutely. Oh, you. So 
things are, I think with the women's liberation movement, things are changing. Things are starting to decline. They've extended themselves far too far. Far too far. Far too far. (laughs) They started doing a record deal, publishing company, resorts. It was just too much. And they were starting to bleed money. There's also more naked magazines in the market. And Penthouse kept going further. They started featuring men, actually, in their photos. And I was just going to say, like, if you're changing with the time, that's going to become more popular. And if you're back in, like, a misogynistic territory, people are going to be like, this is from the 50s. Absolutely. And... They were showing also things like women on women, and Playboy was like, well, we'll try to go a little racier too, but they remained with just women, and their cover was actually a woman watching a movie with her hands in her pants, and it made their um, advertisers actually be like, we never agreed to this. We said that Playboy was more classy one, and now you guys are losing your mind. They're like, nipples are fine, but female masturbating? How disgusting. It doesn't exist. Don't put it out there. (laughs) So they... They were just trying their best, and it wasn't succeeding. No, that's how it, it seems. It just, yeah, it was not. So in the 80s, things are getting super dicey, even at the casinos, which is their biggest biggest cash flow. It was bringing them in $26 million annually, but they Whoa. had to shut everything down because of some dicey stuff that they were investigating. Um, I don't know how to explain that better, because when I was watching it, I was like, I don't was get like- this. Laundry. Yeah, they basically, and I don't think I don't even that, know really what that entails, but I, that just seems watch like. Watch Ozark and you will. There we but go. I think that I was watching it basically being like, we want to take Playboy down. Things look dicey in the casino. And I actually think that it was proven that it wasn't, but they were like, we can't afford to do all these investigations and stay open. We're closing it down. We got it. So it's one of their biggest Yikes. cash Shady. flows. So in comes Christy Hefner. You might not know this name. You might know the last name. Well, Christy Hefner was Hugh Hefner's daughter. And she's a grown woman at this point because she was born in the 50s. Um, she, she, what a complicated relationship. Yeah. I Can mean, you imagine? I, and also being, yeah. She seems to love, really love her father, but wow. Right. <laughs> what a complicated relationship. Oh, whoa. That's <laughs> what I expect her to look like. Yes. The family has some interesting genes. I'll they, tell you that much. They sure do. So they sure do. I'm not a terrible person. Well, Side note. But we like to be a little terrible sometimes. Yeah. So Hugh names Christy Hefner as president. She joined the company after college and didn't expect to stay more than a year or two, but become so involved. She started at an entry-level position and seven years later was made president. She actually did a lot of good for the company. Oh, did she? She made major cuts. Uh, she, you know... Uh, Stopped some of the. She stopped the publishing house. She stopped the record label because she's like, let's stop making stupid ideas. Right. It's like these guys were like, and this, and this. Yeah, and she's like, let's quit while we're ahead. Yes, exactly. Shut up and listen to me for once. For once. (laughs) For once. Well, something that was big in the '80s and in the early '90s was cable TV. Right. Like you have to pay to have a subscription. Mm -hmm. So they started Playboy TV Network. Another huge thing that helped was getting celebrities on the cover of Playboy. Totally. That had never been That's a thing before. That's crazy it took so long. It's crazy it took so long. An interesting little fact is that um, uh, Vanessa Williams had actually just won Miss America. There oh, was... Beautiful Angel. Huh? Beautiful so, Angel. I mean, the like first so black pretty. Miss America. There was rumors that she had nude photos around. She took the photos thinking they were just silhouettes. They were not. They were shot to Playboy without her will. Playboy actually turned them down and said, we are not going to ruin the career of Miss America. Wow. The first black Miss America. 
But Penthouse took them. Fuck Penthouse. Fuck. I didn't like them since they're little pet penthouse. names. Yes, exactly. Do you think Christy had something to do with that? Like, do you think like her coming I, into the company was like a good? Like, was she a feminist? I would like to think so. Yeah, I would be so curious to hear her views on Playboy and like how sh- her views on feminism, the company. yeah, right, and modern feminism. Totally, because she's also born in the fifties, and that's your dad. One might not think that you have the and most he was very radical. absent. Yeah. So some of the Playboy cover stars, Cindy Crawford, Drew Barrymore, Paris Hilton, uh, Madonna. I mean, there's so many le- – Dolly Parton. There's yeah, so many legendary yeah. people. And the, I would want to buy a Playboy that has a in-depth interview with them on the cover. Same. Of course. Uh, Anna Nicole Smith that launched her career, and that's how guests found her, was from Playboy. Um, also, a Playmate that he found in this time – he, he vowed he was never going to get married again, but then he met. Of course, he did. Kimberly Conrad, who is hot as hell, hot as hell, hot as hell. In 1989, and they had two kids, Cooper and Marsden. They were married for nine years. He bought the house next to the mansion for her after they divorced. But the kids grew up in the Playboy Mansion. One of them went to my college. That is crazy. Yeah, I remember seeing him so specifically once walking to the cafeteria. Someone was like, "Oh, that's Hugh Hefner's son." I was like. Oh, like very shy, very just like kept to himself. I mean, shaggy blonde, just like kind of looking down all the time. Holly Madison in her book, Holly Madison was one of his ladies, later girlfriends, said that the rooms that some of the girls would stay in when they weren't there, the boys would stay in them. And that's just like a weird dynamic. So weird. It's so, so weird. upsetting. I just can't. Uh, they seem like, from what I've seen on interviews, they seem like grounded, level-headed boys, though. Right. I mean, that could all be from their mother, I've, who later married. Oh, he. Uh, she later married um, Quincy Jones. Quincy Jones, yeah. And I need a memoir from her ASAP. Well, I mean, she probably, does she have one? I, she, I, I mean, we will buy it. We will buy it. We'll buy all these memoirs. We'll do a book, book club. Oh, absolutely. So that really changed the game and got Playboy back on track. And lastly, as we're getting into the early 2000s, how do you keep Playboy relevant and in people's homes? Our own version of the modern variety show? Reality TV, baby. My bread and butter. We would not be here today. If Without, it weren't for- <laughs> I would not be the woman I am today no, without reality TV. No. Um, and you know, they had to stay relevant because porn's everywhere at this everywhere. point. But this invited people into the homes as they created the show, The Girl in the Next Door. And it highlighted his girlfriends, Holly Madison, Kendra Wilkinson, and Bridget Markadart. Who knows? I'm so sorry, and Bridget would be the one that I forget. Right. She, this probably happens to her a lot. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Bridget. But it was fascinating. Just because they were their girlfriends didn't mean that they were playmates, but they ended up being playmates and on the iconic cover of Playboy yep, with we the all black that one. sheets. Um, so people had also, for the first time, got females really involved with Playboy. Right, because you want to be them. You want to be their friends. Exactly. They're funny. It's and, relatable. Yes, it's like humanizing women more, which is how it should have been all along. Well, their tagline, it says, we call it fantasy, they call it home. A lot to unpack there. There's a lot to unpack there. Um, you know, just an interesting article or interesting little fact as we're wrapping this up. But when questioned if they had to sleep with Hugh, Holly says yes. Kendra claims she never slept with him. 
guys. Isn't there something that one of them would like get start to like get him off? I'm sure. I'm sure all the but things that like you're picturing are, are reality. Yeah. And they all met him through like parties at the Playboy Mansion. And he essentially was like, you, I want you to be my girlfriend. There's some oh. dicey things. Like he had a 9 p.m. curfew for all the girls. Um, he made them get in like flannel pajamas. This is all from Holly Madison's book. And do like a bedtime routine, which is troubling. But if we're going to... No, we can't ignore that. You just can't ignore that. But again, like the parties at the Playboy Mansion just looked crazy. I'm sure. And during this time, you saw that on the reality TV. He had a credit card open at a plastic surgeon's place in a salon. Like, what a weird time when I'm watching it. I'm just like, how could this have been? How could this have been? Because this is the early 2000s. This show would never be out now. Oh my God, no. Never. Imagine pitching it. No, you can't. Be like, so I have three girls. They're not allowed to date other people. I'm allowed to fuck whoever I want. And that is the problem with all of his girlfriends. Going back to Barbie, she was like, if he's allowed to date other people and I'm not, fuck that. I'm out. That seems to be the overall theme as like we try to interpret Playboy of like, sure, he had this idea. He knew his market. He knew his audience. However, you can't have that without having things for everybody and being inclusive. Absolutely. at first, when I when you were talking about this, I was like, "Yeah, sex, he's sex positive. Mm-hmm. That's great." I had a really like, "Okay, I'm going to give this guy a chance." But then, as you're leaving the 50s and 60s, and you're still like, "Nope, just women. We're not going to talk about gay people. We're not going to talk about female right fantasy." You have to evolve with the times, and they did have articles about AIDS that actually said how it spread. But if you're not going to feature gay people, right? Then you know because. That would be them taking a risk and a chance and be like, we'll have this article and guess what? We're going to put this person on the cover because that's what sells. And they're not doing that. So they're kind of being fucking right. And sex and- isn't just for men. It's for everybody exactly. and all sexual orientations. Right. So in the end of his life, he married Crystal Harris. Um, they said his people around him were like, they spent so much time together. And I'm like, well, I'm sure he did. Because- yeah, he's like, let me get a million blowjobs before I die. Also, like, what else can he do at that point? Lay but hang there. out. <laughs> yeah. His gross little mansion. Exactly. He died in September 2017. His wealth was distributed between his four kids and Crystal. So I, I should have sh- talked to that kid at USF. <laughs> yeah. Like, Joe, what you doing after oh, class? Absolutely. But, and like, honestly, she got it at the very end because she had to, she got it best because she had to spend the least amount of time with him and then got the wealth. Mm-hmm. Um, so Playboy now. In 2011, the London Casino opened back up. Um, it brought in $1.5 billion in 2016. Playboy is the third most recognizable brand in the world after Coca-Cola and Apple. Crazy. And that is something you start in the 50s and you you are still the most recognizable brand in the world That's, and you're based on sex? It, That's crazy. It's insane. Um, in 2015, Mr. Hefner, again, every time I say Mr. Hefner, I'm like, please don't do that I feel to like I must respect him and his life God. during this podcast. <laughs> they agreed to stop publishing images of naked women in 2015 to, uh, to broaden its audience. But in 2017, they did an about face and brought back the nudes. Which again, like, bring back the nudes. Bring back the nudes. Well, nudes aren't bad if if it's inclusive for everybody to get off on them. And I can see. I think that it's a very empowering thing to show off your body if you want to do it, girl. As long as you feel comfortable and respected. Absolutely. Um, They also dropped the subtitle "Entertainment for Men" um, in a way to show that gender roles have evolved. 
Um, in March 2020, Ben Cohen, CEO of Playboy Enterprises, announced that the spring 2020 issue would be the last regularly scheduled printed issue. And um, it's a very different magazine today. It's um, way more inclusive, and I think it's actually more of the brand that I would like to see. Right. Well, at least they learned. Took them 60 years it is. to I, get there? I encourage you to go check out their Instagram because, like, their yeah. merch, I'm all about. It's very – and they are um, more inclusive with uh, different sexual orientations and – Something that we're screaming at him throughout the story the whole time, I think they're starting to figure out and do. For sure. And, you know, at least they got there at some point. Absolutely. So that is the history of Playboy. Fascinating. I mean, truly. There's so much to discuss. I'm really excited to hear what y'all's thoughts are on this. Yes. And, like, what your perception was before, especially, like, for women growing up, like, what your parents maybe said to you about it. Absolutely. Conversations you had with your friends about it. Because, like, I know for me it was just, like... Scandal, gross, men are disgusting. Right. And again, I think with a lot of things we can go in and say it can be disgusting while also being revolutionary. 100%. Both things can be true, which I think is an overall theme for our episode so far. Absolutely. Guys, thank you so much. Let us know what you want the history of. Yes. Send us your... yeah, send us your, your what you want to know about, Absolutely. your thoughts, your feelings. We want to dive in. Like and subscribe. Please do. Share it. Tell your friends. Absolutely. And we'll Get see involved. you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.